Leafs podcast. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode on Spotify, SoundCloud, or Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here's Nick D'Souza and Kevin Papetti. We're back. Welcome to the Everything Leaves podcast. I'm Kevin Papetti here with Nick D'Souza. Nick, it's been almost two months since we last recorded. How have you been? Are you still alive? I am still alive. Been uh, lurking in the background on Twitter, and uh, it's good. You know, now that we are, you look, you're looking at Twitter. You can see some preseason and some uh, some camp videos that come up. You've seen a lot about the prospects, but uh, most importantly, we are back. So uh, I've been good. How have you been this summer? Not too bad. I mean, preseason starts in ten days. We're recording Wednesday night, um, and I was I was a little bit surprised. I just checked the date. Uh, it's been a while since we I'd even thought about the Leafs, to be honest. I think I've taken a few weeks off, so we'll be a little rusty today, I'm sure, but but I think we'll get through it. Well, we still we never did a podcast after the off season, so we, we still have the whole off season to go through. Um, but I want to start with two Leafs legends that left the organization. Uh, Going to be a huge loss for next year. One being Zach Hyman, and the second one being Jared McCann. What do you got to say about those two, Nick? Two beloved Leafs. Oh, I know. I don't even. We have to put up a poll saying uh, which one was more beloved. It was. It was interesting actually. This week, we saw a post by the Oilers with Hyman in Oilers colors, and I just had to get off Twitter. I got. I got on Twitter and I got off it just as quick because uh, I couldn't. I could just couldn't see it. <laughs> it's too hurt. It's gonna be weird. What about McCann? Oh, what about McCann? You were so confident he was staying. I, I, I was. Oh, you were talking me into it. You, every, every time you, uh, you know, for every, every couple good things you, I say, there's got to be uh, a few more bad things, and that was one of the one of the L's I have to to kind of eat here. But I don't know. I, I still, I still am kind of shocked by it. But to be honest, I mean, you look at the big picture. Obviously, I guess they gave up Hollander and and the pick for in the expansion draft, but we're not going to get too much into it. I still think that they should have protected Cam McCann, but obviously on the other hand, you know Justin Hall, um, you know you, you look at what defensemen have been signed for this off season, and I don't know, don't think you can really ar- uh, argue with what Dubis did. But we've already talked about that. Let's get into some of the other off season things that have been occurring. There's been a bunch of signings, Kevin. I'm gonna let you start. Like, where do we? Where do you want to start here? Which one of these signings? Because we haven't talked about any of them. I'm gonna start with Morazic because I think that was the first one or one of the earlier ones. Um, I had I had wrote him down as a target in, in one of my one of my articles. I kind of went through position by position, goalies, centers, and then wingers. Uh, I think Morazic was a good fit. He did end up getting a little bit more than expected, but I look at Jack Campbell. He's a player who really hasn't played a, a, a starter's like a allocation of games in his career. He also was quite injured over the course of last year. I do think he's the number one if a playoff series started today. Um, you know, I love Jack Campbell as much as as much as everyone else, but uh, I do think they needed a real 1B. Goaltending is the most important position. Uh, I don't think you could really go in with a with a true backup um, like a like a James Reimer type. Um, because the reality is uh, goalies have up and down seasons and it's really difficult to tell what Jack Campbell is at this point. Um, so I did think that the price was a bit high, but I did want a 1B. I think that is what Mrazek is. Um, I guess the only other thing I'd say, it's a little bit expensive, but I think Seattle really impacted the goalie market. They went out and got Grubauer and Chris Dreger, and that really just, you know, if you think of supply and demand, that really took away some of the goalies from from other teams and then you had teams like the Leafs or, or Colorado Colorado paid huge for Kemper um I, so I did think that Seattle really kind of was responsible for that so I was okay with that signing I give it a B I think it's a, a decent fit player wise but um you know price is probably just about average I would say so I, I agree with that I think with with Mrazek I think it's interesting because the Leafs have a tandem for the first time in quite a while like think the last time that they had a you know a real goalie tandem was back in the days of Bernier and maybe even like Reimer Scrivens sorry um 
so it's been a while like Frederick Anderson has been the king of the castle for quite a while now um, but I think this is the way to go especially with the way the Leafs cap is um, we knew that they wanted to get rid of that that Frederick Anderson contract and I think Mrazek fits the bill because he's also played as a tandem before um, you know I, I wouldn't I, I think I agree with the B side with uh, the grade B because I don't think like there is definitely going to be some risk here um, when you look at Mrazek's career like his big years were actually like a few years ago uh, kind of more at the beginning of his career Mm-hmm. So we'll see how he does, but I, I do like the fact that Campbell, you know, it's been a small sample. He's been absolutely fantastic, but at least you have like a legitimate goalie that could be your number one goalie in Mrazic. And I think they're just going to have to go with the hot hand throughout the year. And I, I think that's the way it should be, uh, especially with this, the way that this uh, lineup is kind of constructed and the cap is. So I'll give it, I'll give it a B as well. Um, so I guess we'll see what happens with them. Yeah, I didn't really see too many goalies go for a bargain price this offseason. I think so. Mrazek ended up getting three times three point eight, um, a little bit more than expected. But it, I look at every goalie, and just about all of them ended up getting more. I think teams really got desperate because of Seattle. Uh, I'm glad that they got Mrazek for three point eight rather than giving up what Colorado did for Kemper, which was a first plus Connor Timmins, a good young defenseman. Um, so I. I I can't blame them. I think that's a good fit. Uh, I do think that, you know, he does get a 10-team no-trade clause, but, you know, he is in that category at 3.8 where maybe next offseason, if Campbell has a big year, you got to give him a raise, then, then maybe Mrazic's traded. I think at 3.8, if he, has a, if he has a fine year, you can move him. If he has a bad year, maybe you attach a prospect to move him. If he has a good year, you just keep him. So uh, I don't I don't mind it. Um, again, a it's tough to give it an A unless he's, you know, gonna put up a nine twenty or something. But he is that starter that could potentially, you know, take over the reins if Campbell struggles. And unfortunately, in the NHL, even though you don't think Campbell will struggle, uh, we've seen goalies year to year. Unless you're he's a goalie, Vas- unless you're Vasilevsky or Rask, um, you're gonna you're probably in for some up and down years. We saw that. We learned that the hard way with Anderson. And yeah, it is kind of cool to have a tandem. I think we are kind of expecting that this year, but. Uh, Anderson didn't really live up to the to the hype or, or what we expected from him. Right. But yeah, maybe that... And also it's a modified no-trade clause too. Uh, so in terms of him actually, them actually flipping Mrazic, that probably plays a huge uh, kind of role in that. But um, but regardless, you know, hopefully with everything, hopefully everything goes well um, and you don't have to flip him after one year in a three-year deal. So. Right. Definitely, in an ideal world, he puts up a nine twenty five, and you know, you're you're he's your starter. Him and Campbell are best friends, and they're yeah, they are. I'm sure they're going to be best friends. Like, I I don't think Campbell's ever had a teammate that he wasn't best friends with. No, I don't see the heel turn coming anytime (laughs) soon with Campbell. But let's move on to a former Sue Graham. We have a couple to choose from, but I'm going to go. I believe I'm going in order, or at least close to order of what they happened. Michael Bunting. So Bunting's a player who hadn't really had, I don't think he had any NHL experience prior to last year. If he did, it wasn't much. And then he, he primarily played on with Nick Schmaltz and Connor Garland, I believe, who are two very good players. Um, and, and I don't really know what to expect from him. I don't know if he's going to be someone who you could throw in the top six and has a lot of success as a complimentary player, someone like an Andreas Janssen, or if he's going to end up someone like Jimmy Vesey, who, you know, gets a chance in the top six early, doesn't really, you know, earn a spot, um, and, and ends up, you know, on waivers. But at 950000 over two years, I, I can't really complain much. Like, I think there's there's definitely some upside that he's like a $2 million player, and you, and you end up kind of in a Spezza situation where you get this guy who's, who's much better than what he's getting paid. Um, and for the two years, if he is, if he ends up being like that, you get not just one year, but two. Um, and also if, if, you know, if he does struggle, throw him on waivers, trade him 950 K variable. Uh, it's, it's, it's tough to not like that signing. I don't know if I'm, you know, enough of a fan to just to, you know, pencil him in for the first line come playoff time, but 
there's so little risk there that I can't really knock that much. Yeah, I think it depends on what your what your expectations are going into it. Um, I've already seen people penciling it, him into that top six, uh, kind of in, in that Hyman role. Now, I will say this. When it comes to the signings that they have made this year, if there's any player that fits the way Hyman plays, that gritty style, that, you know, Bunting also never quits on plays. Uh, he can win his fair share of battles. I guess the the easy replacement would be Bunting. Um, I'm always a big believer that when players like Hyman, they start to hit their 28, 29 years old, the right thing to do is exactly what the Leafs did, and that's to walk away with it, let someone else sign that big contract, and then you try and find the next Zach Hyman. Is Michael Bunting going to be the next Zach Hyman? I don't know. No. I don't think so. I think Hyman is quite a quite a unicorn in, in terms of his actual his trajectory um, and how he's just gotten better with age. I don't think that happens very often. I don't think Bunting will do that. But can he definitely give you value for just over 900k a year? 100%. So um, I like Bunting's work ethic. I think he's got a pretty decent shot. I don't expect him to be shooting, you know, over 15% like he has in his first two years um, at five on five. But um, I think it's a low risk, you know, I'm not going to say high high reward signing, but um, I think he's one of those guys that during the year, just like how Spezza, whenever Spezza's putting up some big numbers, we're always bringing up his contract. I think ben Bunting can also be one of those types of guys. And worst comes to worst, you put him on your fourth line or you could probably put him into the AHL and bury that contract too. So I think he's one of those players that we'll, we'll see. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah. I mean, he's only got 26 games under his belt of NHL experience. Uh, definitely a good start. You know, 14 points in 26 games. You'll take that. I do think he was elevated by his line mates. He does play the net front on the power play. Um, so I don't know if we'll get the same opportunity in Toronto. They have, they have a few other options right now. Um, but, you know, if he's Trevor Moore or, or something like Trevor Moore and you get him for two years under a million, you know, you take that any day. So really tough to knock that signing at all. I'd have to give it an A. Um, let's go on. I'm not going to go to David Camp because I feel like that's the most boring one. Let's go to Nick Ritchie. Uh, Ritchie's came in a little bit after the others, but it's two years, $2.5 million. He was not qualified by the Boston Bruins. Um, obviously, I think a lot of Leafs fans are familiar with him, uh, dating back <laughs> to the William Nylander draft when you know a lot of people thought that Richie would be the pick there. Um, obviously, you know Nylanders ended up being a much better player, but Richie's been a, a solid NHL player in his own right. He brings some toughness, brings some net front scoring. What did you think of that signing, Nick, at two years, two point five? Um, I think it was a bit on the rich side. I'm not. You know, I like Nick Ritchie, like what he brings. I wouldn't say I'm, you know, the president of his fan club or anything like that. Um, I think he's going to bring some physicality. He's definitely going to bring some kind of edginess. I'm not big on his skating. I think people are going to be kind of disappointed with that. I, I think both you and I spoke about how last year's Leafs team was definitely one of the slowest teams um, that they've had in years. I think they've gotten a touch quicker this year based on their, their additions. Um, but I don't think Nick Ritchie is going to help in that department. Um, 2.5, I don't know if he's going to give you great value based on his past results. Um, but I think it's a fine signing. Like, I'm not going to complain about it. But uh, I just, I just when I look at the lineup, I personally wouldn't put him into the top six. I don't think he's a great fit for that. It looks like they're going to go with a, a matchup line in the third line ever since Keith came in. He's always had that matchup defensively oriented third line. I don't think he fits there either. And then, you know, now we start talking about, are you going to have a $2.5 million player on your fourth line? So I like the player himself, or I don't mind the player, especially if it's the Nick Ritchie that we saw in 2016, 17, and 2017, 18, those seasons. Uh, he's quite a good play driver. But, you know, in the past three years, I just, if it's that player, I don't know where you kind of pencil in into the lineup. Yeah, I think he probably starts on the Tavares-Nylander line, assuming that is a line. Um, 
I, I think he's got a decent amount of offensive skill. Like you, I'm not a big fan of his skating. Um, really, the question for me is his penalties. Bad penalty like, differential, his, for sure. It's it's like the worst in the yeah. league bad. Um, so, you know, I, I like the physicality. I like having some toughness, but I think his lack of speed stops him from drawing penalties, and uh, he's not that disciplined. Like, I think when, when you are slow, sometimes you tend to take more penalties. And, you know, I, I know we see the thing where, like, sometimes the refs will try to even it up, and maybe it's a bit overblown, but... Uh, you know, if you, if you're making your, if if you're putting your team shorthanded, it's normally like a one in five chance that the other team's going to score. So, uh, I'm worried about that. At two point five, I don't love the value. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a fine contract. Um, I personally wanted to, you know, kind of use that. Like I would have rather gone with like Galchenyuk there for a lot uh, less, for really yeah. cheap. And then use the savings to like upgrade Kerfoot or something. That's what I was hoping to do, or uh, upgrade Mikhaev maybe, who I'll get to later. Um, but it, it's it's fine. Um, I'm not I'm not too sure what to expect. He's like Bunting. He's he's pretty good in the net front role in the power play. He's got pretty good hands, uh, but the speed but the speed's concerning. It's it's nice to have some toughness, but um, then I kind of question why Wayne Simmons is on mm-hmm. this team. Um, so yeah, I have some questions. Uh, you know, the thing with Richie, the thing with Camp, those two specifically is those guys weren't qualified contracts by their teams, and you know the the Bruins could have gotten Richie for two point five times two, I believe, and you know they just didn't. So um, I don't know if that's the best sign, but uh, I do think he's a fine player. Like I, I think he's definitely an NHL player. Um, you know, maybe he's a, a two by two player instead of a 2.5, or maybe he's worth it. Uh, I could definitely see this going either way, where maybe he's a bit frustrating because of the penalties, or, or maybe he's you know, a, a solid complementary player in the top six and someone who should looks like he should make three and is a decent value. But I'll give this one like a, a C plus or... Yeah, I'll say a C I'll, plus. Maybe a B uh, minus. I'll go C. I'll, go, I'll be bad cop here. I just think Richie is going to be one of those polarizing players like within kind of Leafs land where a lot of players really like the physicality that he brings but the ones that are you know the ones that are, are, are talking about primary assists I guess you and I uh, might be the ones that are uh, kind of giving him a, t- a tough time despite the toughness that he does bring and the and the fighting that he does bring um, so question for you like where if, if it was your decision your Sheldon Keefe opening night where would you put Richie I'd put him in the top six to start and then uh, go from there. Come playoff time, um, you know, you got to see how Bunting does. I'd probably start Bunting with Matthews okay. Marner, um, assuming they're keeping Matthews Marner together. Um, I would personally keep Kerfoot at center, but or maybe on the wing. Like, there's different options. I guess it depends who makes the team. But So Richie, um, Richie with Tavares, yeah, though? Richie okay. with Tavares, yeah. And then, uh, you know either Martyr or Nylander setting him up, but that's where I'd start him. Um, obviously, there's there's quite a bit you can, you know, he's going to have to earn that spot in the top six compliance. Okay, let me, let me rephrase that then. Let's say the season randomly starts and it's an elimination game. Okay. <laughs> where are you putting Richie then? Um, it's our first podcast back. We got to make it tough. I don't know. I could either put him there, or I might put him on like an on one of the bottom six lines, whatever one's not the checking line. So I guess so. the Spezza um, fourth line type line. Yeah, I'd put him across from Spezza, or I'd put him next to yeah, Tavares. I'd, I'd put um, him with Spezza, and um, that's probably be my line. Like I, I think I have, like I'd probably put Kasha with with Tavares. Maybe that's a good segue into him. It's it a, great a great segue. Let's yeah, get into Kasha. Uh, I'll let you take it. I'm really excited about this signing. Like, this is probably the most... Uh, I guess I'm starting on this one. <laughs> um, but I'm... I'm. This was the, the signing where when I saw this one, I was like, okay, this is the types of signings that we expected Dubis. I'm not going to say that Cash is underrated. Um, I think, you know, anyone that pays attention to the game by now should know that he's a very good player. Um, 1.25, I think this is probably could potentially be the steal of the offseason when you look at the Leafs kind of offseason regularly. He's a fantastic player. He's got a great shot. 
He's got a great nose for getting open, finding little seams in between the defense and the forwards. Um, I think he's a difference maker. The big thing with him, and, you know, I'm not, this isn't new news, it's just staying healthy. Um, if he can stay healthy, I think this is going to be a great, great signing. If not, it's just going to be a mediocre signing. You know, I think at this point, you just hope that those injuries haven't taken away m much in terms of his speed, in terms of his creativity, um, and that he's still a similar player than he has been throughout his career. Um, but I think it's worth a shot for $1.25 million for the type of player Cash has been. He's been a great play driver. He's put up, you know, some pretty good points. Um, and with him, he's interesting because... To start the season, I would put him with Tavares and Nylander, but I think he can definitely play with a even like an Engvall and Mikhaev and make that line a lot better. Um, so I think he's the kind of the wild card this year, um, and I, I really like the signing. Are, are you on board here, or are you uh, a little skeptical here? I think you're going to be on board, though. Yeah, I'm trying to keep my expectations low with him because he did just play three games last year, and... Like, the whole season, three games, that's it. So, I, I just, I haven't really been penciling into my lineup for that reason. Um, almost like I'm just going to keep expectations low and, and see what happens. Um, I guess the reason being, like, he's a good player. Um, he, he's, he's already had some, you know, you look at his points per game, like 38 points in 66 games a few years back. With Anaheim, then he went 20 points in 30 games, 23 and 49. Like, at worst, he's a, a half a point per game player, I think. And, you know, you look at the skill. If you watch his highlight reel, this guy can play. He can really carry the puck. He's, he's good offensively. Um, he can either drive your third line like they did with Sperry Kapanen, or he, right. can, he can potentially play, you know, Nylander can play the left side. Kasha can play the right. Uh, that could be a good fit as well, putting, you know, Tavares with two good transition players. So... I think, he, as you said, this is a big X-Factor signing where if he's healthy and he's back to himself, he's an absolute steal at 1.25. Um, but again, three games last year, it's it's tough for me to, to pencil him in, um, given that. But um, he is that kind of player who could really make a difference. And when I look at this lineup, Nick, you know, the I, I know we mentioned it last year where it felt like the Leafs had five top six forwards for most of mm -hmm. the year. Um, and now with the loss of Zach Hyman, it feels like they have four. Like it, it does feel like it's the big four, and there's quite a bit of a gap. Maybe Kerfoot, if he's on the wing, is, is kind of like a uh, you know a, a lower end top six forward. But I do think Kasha could be that if he's healthy. Uh, he could also provide absolutely nothing, but if he's if he doesn't get in the lineup much this year because of injuries. So um, definitely, I at one point two five, I think it's definitely a, a gamble we're taking. Kind of like bunting, it's it's low risk. Um, with, with, I think, even more upside. Um, but, yeah, if that guy's healthy and back to himself, it's a steal. He's, he's a good player. Yeah, I think these past two playoff series have shown the way most NHL teams are going to be playing the Leafs, um, especially when they are in the defensive zone. So they're going to set up. They're going to pretty much let the Leafs play on the outside as much as they can and pretty much tell the Leafs, one of your players or your team is going to have to break us down. Um, in the Columbus series, I didn't feel like the Leafs had enough players, especially when they scratched Robertson, um, that could really either score on the ex from the exterior, um, especially when you don't look at their top four forwards. And two, they didn't have enough players that could break down defenses, get onto the inside and score. Um, and then even last year when they played Montreal, everyone wanted Taylor Hall, a player that I think would fit that bill of being able to score from the exterior or break down defenses when they're set up. Uh, they went Felino, which is a little bit more on the safe side. And again, they were unable to like score enough against Montreal. I think Cash is one of those players that he can definitely make things happen in the offensive zone. And he's one of those players that you, you know, you can put in with Nylander, Tavares, Matthews, you can add him to the list of players that can really break down defenses because he's a crafty player. Um, so I think it's a, it's a great pick as long as he stays healthy yeah he's, he's definitely a, a big mystery at this point um again we 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 don't know his health status so it's tough to really comment too much but let's get to some of the more boring ones here um and then i want to talk about the team kind of overall but david Kampf, i was a little bit surprised uh, 1.5 uh 
uh, over two years. And I guess the reason I was a bit surprised is, A, kind of like Richie and Kasha, actually, he wasn't given a qualifying offer by his team. Uh, he was with Chicago. And then, two, like, when they signed him, it was pretty early on, and I thought, you know, that it was very clear from the onset that they, like, every penny was going to matter. And uh, they basically gave him double the league minimum contract. Um, so, you know, that the, the, is a sign that they like him. I don't think they were going to give 1.5 to to someone who, you know, was just going to be a marginal player for them. Uh, I think with camp, it's, you know, you're, you're hoping for a matchup center, uh, someone who can take some tough minutes, maybe like someone like a Casey Sezikis, uh light. Um, but definitely a player who doesn't bring much offense to the table, uh, really one of the worst offensive players in the game if you look at the numbers uh doesn't have great impacts but he was with chicago he was playing tough minutes i don't really know what to think of it i think he's just a boring player i'm not sure if he's going to be more like frigid gauthier or more like uh i don't know a, a passable third line shutdown center i've i really have no idea on this one i actually like his signing um if i had to rank you know bunting camp uh, Richie and Kasha in order of how much I like them, I would actually put Kempf second. Um, I do think he's a boring player when you look at it on the offensive side. I don't think he's going to be used offensively at all. I think last year um, we saw Sheldon Keefe, and we've talked about this third line, about this defensive third line a lot. And Kerfoot, I think, is a good third line center, but I don't think Kerfoot is a good third line center to have at 35% def- um, sorry, offensive zone starts. So a guy that's starting in his defensive zone a lot. Every time Kerfoot was playing center at third line, you know, Keefe wasn't giving the same type of deployment that he was giving a Pierre Engvall, for example. Uh, when he was at center there, it just seemed like whenever Engvall was playing at that third line center, they were really pumping the defensive zone starts there with Mikheyev. Um, and they didn't trust Kerfoot there, and they didn't trust Engvall, you know, come playoff time because of the face-offs and just he wasn't really playing very well in that role. They signed Riley Nash. Obviously, they, they didn't even really give him a chance there. Um, so I think having a shutdown third-line center is something that seems like it's very, very important to this organization. It was important to a Keefe team when he was playing with the Marlies, um, obviously there's our, 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 uh, our, our reference to that line, but, and it's been really important to him since he's come to the Leafs. So when you look at David Kampf, his, I think he is a good defensive player. Um, when you look at his competition, he's always played, he's had one of the, the higher, um, quality of competitions, like when he's been playing at center. Um, so I think it's it's a good signing for the role that he's going to play. I don't think you should expect much offense from him, um, but I could see it being a you know a Kampf and Mikheyev, and let's say like an Engvall third line that Keith feels completely comfortable playing up against top six uh, opposition, and I don't think that defensive third line is going to go anywhere. Like I think that it's here to stay as long as Keith is the coach. So I'm okay with trying Kampf as that third line center. And then freeing up Kerfoot to either play wing um, in the top six with Tavares, because we've seen them having success there, or even Kerfoot on that fourth line with Spezza, where we saw success last year. So I actually like this signing for kind of what it does to the lineup in general. Yeah, I, I do think that, you know, if Kerfoot were to play with Spezza and stay at center, um, you know, that's probably your third best line. But, you know, you don't have right. to call it third line, fourth line. You'd kind of be just different purpose lines, like a scoring line and checking line almost. Um, so, yeah, I, I could see this going either way, to be honest. Uh, he scored just one goal last year. I could see this being like a Jimmy Vesey type, a guy that's, you know, really underwhelms and, and, you know, people are calling for him to be out of the lineup midseason. Or I could see him being, you know, just what they need. Uh, they could use a, a center that kills penalties. They could use, you know, someone who could take matchups, uh, some tough matchups from time to time. Um, so I could see this one going either way. I don't think I really know much about camp. I don't think anyone knows about much about camp, um, which is kind of funny. Like he's he's been in the league for years now. Uh, he's probably one of the most unknown forwards in the game. 
I just think with defensive players in general, sometimes you never know how it's going to go. Like Bogosian last year was was better than expected. Uh, I really didn't know how Brody was going to be last year. He ended up being very good. Um, but, you know, you see you see some defenseman signings around the league and, and you question how they got that a year later. Um, and, and I know he's a forward, but he's such a defensive forward that I'm going to kind of compare him to a defenseman in that regard. I just think defensive play is, is t- you know, sometimes it's tough to really predict. Um, he definitely doesn't have the flash of, of uh, a couple. Uh, this is a decent segue. Josh Hosang has a lot more flash. They signed him. Uh, they got Curtis Gabriel. Um, they ended up getting Alex Biega and Carl Dahlstrom. Uh, I don't know if anyone's all that exciting there. Uh, any comments on on one of those four? I'll finish on on camp real quick. I, I don't. I think there's going to be a huge section of Leafs fans, especially Leafs Twitter, that doesn't really like camp. Um, I think if anything, most of the players that have been given, especially the forwards that have been given like heavy defensive zone starts are usually not liked. Um, despite that dis- deployment, like that tough deployment, that's point I'm looking at Mikheyev and Engvall there, which we'll get to later. Um, but that's what I'll say about camp. Like I, I, I do like the signing, um, for what it does, but Going to the rest of them, I think Josh Hosang is quite interesting. Like, it's it's crazy to me. Like, have you ever seen the clip of him uh, going around Marner? Like, he toe drags the puck around Marner. Like years ago. It was I think two, three years ago. He was young. Okay, I haven't seen that. Uh, yeah, I'll send it to you after. It's I think he's a definitely a flashy player. He's got offensive skill, um, and I know Dubis said that this would be his. Seems like it's going to be his last chance. Uh, for whatever that means, but I don't know. I think uh, we'll see what happens. Maybe he ends up on the Marlies, which would be a, a cool addition to watch. Um, but other than that, I think they're just a bunch of guys at this point. Like I, I, none of those really jump off the page for me. Um, do do they for you? I think Curtis Gabriel will be a cool guy in the locker room. I think he'll give a few good quotes. He's already given a good quote that he uh, he likes to fight Simmons. So uh, I guess we'll see. None of them really jump out to me though. Yeah, I'm assuming they're mostly Marlies. Um, Gabriel's definitely a guy you could call up if you if you have a you know a, a Rangers capital situation. Um, <laughs> you could call him up. Um, I think you know guys like Biega, Dahlstrom, if you need them for a game, or, or you know you want a seventh defenseman on the roster, and you don't want to use someone like Lilligren, uh, you want to let him play on the Marlies or something. Uh, I could see them being decent players. Um, you know, as, just as a seventh option. Um, and then in terms of Ho saying, I'm not really expecting much. Um, I, you know, I've actually seen him play a decent amount back when he was on Bridgeport. Um, he's just not much of a goal scorer. He almost reminds me of Jeremy Bracco. Um, you know, I'm just looking at it. You look at his goal total. So he had 10 as a rookie, 10 and 50 games as a rookie in the AHL, and then 8 and 50 games, 8 and 56 games. And then uh, he just had, you know, four goals, and it's only 22 games, but that's 1920. Um, I remember, I believe he had a hat trick against the Marlies one year. And I remember looking and being like, that's almost half his goals. Like I, I just saw. Um, so he does he really doesn't shoot the puck much. I don't think he's great defensively. Uh, but I'll, I'll really be rooting for him. Like, you know, why not for have sure. a good skilled winger? Um, he's still just 25. Again, PTO, we don't know if he'll be on the Marlies. We don't know if he's going to sign an actual contract. Um, or if he's, if he's just going to be here for camp so we'll see how that one goes i can't really say i know much about biega dahlstrom um but uh, let's let's get your thoughts on just the team overall here so i i i i really don't know what to think uh this is really the first time it seems like the team's gotten worse i guess um and that's because zach hyman left you know they really didn't replace him you know you hope bunting or richie kind of step up um, or, or someone like Kasha does. Um, but I do think the team's a little bit worse. Um, Las Bogosian, Las Galchenyuk, well, he's a free agent. Uh, Las Felino to Boston. Um, so I, I do think right now they're, they're either worse or not much better. Um, and I was kind of expecting them to make maybe a, a, a push for a true top six winger. Um, and again, I probably would have, you know, Instead of Richie, I probably would have got a, a league minimum guy. I was expecting a Kerfoot trade at some point and kind of upgrading there instead. 
uh, spending the money that way. But when you look at this team, I guess, what are your overall thoughts and, and your thoughts on kind of the offseason overall? I think they are worse than the playoff team um, that went in against Montreal last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they are better than the team that started on opening night last year, though. Uh, when you look at the fringe signings that they had, obviously they did have Hyman. Uh, uh, I don't know, actually, let's say they were... I'd say they're the same as the team that started on the uh, on opening night. I think Kasha has the ability to probably not bring exactly what Hyman brought, but I think from a value standpoint, especially from just raw goals and assists, I think he can bring what Hyman brought. Um, if we see that play-driving player that he was a few years ago, then he can definitely bring it from the play-driving stance as well. Um and I like their friend signings better than I liked their friend signings last year. Obviously, they have a bit more money um, to kind of play around with. But like we're talking about like Jimmy Vesey was in the starting lineup last year. Um, Travis Boyd was a guy who got into the lineup within the first two months. Actually, Travis Boyd wasn't bad, so I shouldn't be using him in this context. But, um, but I think when you look at and you actually put their lineup together and you kind of take out the you know, the memory of what this very similar group did with a 3-1 lead against Montreal. Um, And you kind of look at the good things from last year. I mean, you still have a very good defense from the same one as last year that was excellent last season against a very, very good offensive, very, very good offensively, the North Division. You know, they were terrible defensively, but they were a very good um, division in terms of offense. So I do take what that this defensive core did last year. I think that does have some merit. Um, you know, I think their bottom, they obviously have Sandine, who's healthy now. Dermot, they kept at a good price. So I think there's reasons to be optimistic um, this year. But uh, I think the Leafs are going to have to really, they're going to have to play really well in this Atlantic division because it's not going to be like the North division Florida looks great. Tampa's obviously Tampa. They lost their, you know, their very good third line, but um, they already have players ready to go, like Matthew Joseph, ready to go to step in there. So they're going to be very good. Boston's made some good moves this offseason. So it's going to be tough. I think I think they're going to have... I still think they're the second to the third best team in the Atlantic um, this year, but it's definitely not going to be an easy ride like it was last season in the, in the regular season anyways. Yeah, yeah, that's why I actually like the Mrazic signing because given the strength of the division, you can't really afford to have bad goaltending. Like, everyone, because Campbell had such a good year, you think, okay, we're, we're fine. But, you know, there is a chance, there's a real chance that Campbell's 900 goalie next year or Campbell gets hurt next year for and misses a ton of time. Um, and you couldn't really take the chance of having really bad goaltending obviously there's still there's still a chance but i think with mrazic you at least have a 1b um so if, if one guy falters the other guy has a has a chance to be you know a, a legitimate starter um so that part i liked I, I i think the defense i i i do like having the top four back uh, we'll get into morgan riley in a bit as we always <laughs> seem to do um i when don't is mind that segment gonna end I don't know. <laughs> we might be doing hopefully that Hopefully soon. Hopefully soon. <laughs> um, you know, going with Dermot and either Sandino or Lilligren, I'm fine with. Um, you know, if, if you want to add up a Gojan type with the deadline, that shouldn't be too expensive. Um, and then the forwards, I just would have liked, um, you know, one more significant player. Uh, I know you couldn't replace Hyman, but maybe like a $4 million player. I don't know if there was really one out there that, that really made sense. Um in terms of free agents. Uh, but I will say this, I think I, I have a similar thought process to you where, you know, if, if Kosh is good, you have a steal. Um, and I do think that they'll be, they're, they're, they're probably about the same as the opening lineup last year, which had Thornton and Vizi in the top six. Um, Miko Lettinen was in the lineup. Um, and and I, I do think that, you know, one thing I'll give them credit for is they haven't really given up any picks or prospects you know hollander for the expansion draft it's kind of separate but they still have their first for next year they still have their second they have quite a few prospects in the system they're they're kind of you know for for where they're at in their wind curve they have quite a few prospects to trade come come deadline if they choose to um so they have kind of kept their ammo if that makes sense 
Um, mm-hmm. So I do think that come playoff time, especially with Tavares, you hope is healthy. Uh, if the big four are healthy, if, if, if everyone's healthy, I think you're better off just as is. Um, but if you do, you know, I, I think they'll do better than Felino at the deadline next year. So I am expecting a better team come playoff time. I hope so too. I, I do think there's a, a bunch of reasons why we should be optimistic. Um, one being... You know, every single season we've seen since Matthews, Matthews is now 23. Um, every single season since his rookie season, he's improved. He's added something to his arsenal. You know, he started the, his career with a very good wrist shot. He was scoring a bunch of goals. The next season he came in, he had that curl and drag, which he could shoot uh, to the right. The third season he came in, he started to curl and drag and shoot to the left. He added a five hole shot now he now has a slap shot i think in the past two years he's become a lot better defensively he's become a lot more physical so and now we're seeing you know clips of him continuing to to add to his game so i think that's one um you know that matthews he's still young and he's still it it seems like he wants to be a great player in this league not just you know um like a, a great like historically um so I think that's something that is very, very good. We still have him signed um, for, I guess this is, will be three more years, including this one year. So yep. I think that's a big sign there. I think it's great when you see star players looking to, to strive to be better, even though Matthews is arguably the best goal scorer in the league. Um, he's still trying to become better. So I think that's great. I think Marner's going to step back from after a pretty brutal playoffs. Um, and then Nylander, I think, you know, after that playoff series showed a lot of maturation there um so i don't know i think i think it's it's a it's been a a tough pill to swallow like that montreal series um i had to take a break from twitter i'm sure a lot of people just kind of took a break from the leafs in general um but i don't know i'm excited for the season maybe i'm I'm, I'm ready to be heard again but i'm excited (laughs) yeah i think they're gonna take one big run um i think they'll i think they're gonna trade futures at the deadline and, and make a pretty good run for it um, now that they have Richie, like a player like that, maybe they don't go for a Foligno type. I hope not. Uh, <laughs> go for like a, a true first line player. Um, but but the other thing is is just kind of the self rental, and and it's kind of dominating the it's going to dominate the the Leafs coverage really until there's a decision made, and that's Morgan Riley. Um, you know, you have Riley and you have Jack Campbell. You don't really have much cap space or much coming off the books next year. Um, you know, in order to give them a raise, both will need a raise. Um, and, and two different players. I think with Campbell, um, you know, we really don't know what's going to happen there. The price isn't going to be as high as Riley. Uh, but with Riley, that's a that's a big piece to let walk for nothing. Uh, if he does if he does play this year with the Leafs and then exits as a free agent, um, and if if you're going to let him walk for nothing, and then you're going to trade for a rental and let them walk for nothing, and maybe let Campbell walk for nothing, like it's a lot to lose. Uh, in terms of value in the organization, um, but we're at the point where it's it's we're not really seeing many trades around the league at this point. Uh, it seems like he's going to start the season with the Leafs. It seems like he might look at an extension, although the prices have been astronomically high. Um, he's a guy that gets points and ice time; those tend to get paid. What do you think's going to happen here? Like, do you, do you think he's extending? Do you think he's walking next off season? Tell me, I want you to predict the future. Well, I don't know if you know, you saw this, but uh, earlier in the day, there were tweets talking about how Riley was actually, um, he came off the ice. Um, but what seemed to be an injury, I don't think there's been any updates yet. I'm just looking at my timeline here. Um, he's walking to the weight room, so he's present, but not skating. So I don't know if that changes things. I also know Justin Hall was um, being helped to the room. So that's another thing. So the injuries are already starting. Um, But when it comes to Riley, if you asked me at the beginning of, actually at the end of the Montreal series, I would have said that they probably would have traded him. Um, When the first couple signings were occurring in the the offseason, we were seeing big contracts being given to top-end defensemen. I would have said, okay, the chances of Riley being traded are a lot higher now. And as we've become closer to September and now we're in mid-September, I think he's gonna I think he's going to potentially, if I had to guess, I think they're just gonna let him walk. 
um, because now the, the scales are starting to tip in the other way where now the conversation isn't, are you going to extend him or are you going to trade him? It's now, are you going to extend him to a big contract or let him walk? I'm going to ask you what your opinion is, but if those are the only two options, which I don't think we're going to see a midseason big Morgan Riley trade. It just doesn't really make sense to me. Um, given the leave situation, given the situation that other teams are going to be in, I don't really see it happening. Um, so the conversation is going to start shifting. Well, are you going to let him walk for nothing or are you going to extend him? I would let him walk. What would you do there? Yeah, it goes down to price. Um, but if he's going to get anything close to what Seth John Zakarensky are getting, then yeah, I'd have to let him walk. I mean, yeah, I, I which is what I would expect. Around seven million, I'd be willing to pay. Um, what would be the term there that you're probably? Would... It's going to be long term. Yeah, like seven is even a bit high. I, I'd really like to know what the trade offers would be, but I just I don't really get what they're doing here. Here, to be honest, like if you probably should have been more ahead of this like be, before the off season mm-hmm. um you know what's the price going to be do you like the price if so let's do it and if not let's see what the trade offers are um because you're at a spot now where it's it's kind of a weird time to trade a player in terms of what you're going to get back um I, I you know you're gonna get something back for riley regardless of when you trade them but it's it's not really a common time uh, it's not like teams have many holes in their lineups at this point uh, most teams have kind of addressed their their needs so i don't know i i really don't know what to think here um i i still feel like they're going to extend him i feel like they just like him um and he had a good playoffs he's a, he's a good player he's valuable but uh, i i really don't know what to think especially given that you're going to be paying him to into his mid-30s um i think he's probably going to get overpaid as much as i like him um, and I, for me, it's it might be just best for both sides if they moved on, right? Like, from Riley's point of view, he could probably get a ton of money elsewhere. Right. Uh, and from the least point of view, they could probably get a ton of prospects or, or, or a good player for him that's that's controlled. Um, I just think this is a team that needs good young players on, on team-friendly contracts to kind of offset their big ones. And, you know, to add another... You know, an eight million dollar contract to the books on a team that that is already pretty front loaded um, with their with their big deals. I just don't know if it makes sense. So I, I'm getting tired of talking about. It. I'm sure you are too. But <laughs> hopefully, we'll get a, a resolution, an answer, one way or the other. I guess sooner rather than later. I know, and we've been on the trade Martin Riley train for a few years, and we were getting ready to punch in our lottery tickets this year. Uh, you know, ready for Riley to be traded so we could say, I told you so to everyone. Uh, and has it happened? Like, Dubas is making his way. But um, I don't know. You know, it's it's one of those things when it comes to letting him walk where the opportunity right now to trade him or even months ago to trade him and getting those, you know, pretty big package back um, would have been awesome. Um, but then you look around the league, like Dougie Hamilton's walking you know, he walked as a free agent. There's other defensemen that have walked as free agents. Does that mean that's the right decision? No. But, um, you know, it's not like Riley or, or Dubis is the only GM that allows really good defensemen to walk. Um, so I guess we'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah, I'm getting tired of it, getting talking about it. But let's talk about a new topic here. One topic we've never talked about on the podcast. So this is a first. It is about Ilya Mikheyev asking for a trade i don't think you and i've ever talked about mckayev trades or anything um i'll start off here i i'm not surprised that you know mckayev's asking for a trade last year he was at a 35 percent offensive zone start i don't think he was i don't think he came to north america from the khl to be on a defensively oriented line um he obviously shot a very low percentage last year didn't have too many goals or assists That's not going to help when it comes to his next contract. And I'm really, really not surprised that the Leafs said, actually, no, we're not trading you. You are very valuable to our team. Um, Because I always, you know, Mikheyev's taken a lot of criticism in the last year. And if you have a player that starts in his defensive zone more than the offensive zone, and the number one thing that he's known for 
amongst the fan base is missing on dangerous scoring chances, I think that's a good thing. Do you agree with me here? I wish he scored more, but like how many players that have give, have had that type of deployment were known for that? Like it definitely wasn't definitely wasn't Nick Shore. I could tell you that for free. Michael Grabner was the last one that comes to mind. He was atrocious in his season with the Leafs in terms of converting. <laughs> but yeah, but, yeah, but he I'm, didn't have that type of deployment. He was um, like, he should have. Like I don't know what he, his I don't know what his numbers are, but that's he's kind of that player. I I was surprised when Kyle asked for a trade a bit. I get wanting to play in the top six, but you know he's not that good offensively. Like he's he's not a guy that's going to really deserve power play time elsewhere. Um, I don't know what team's giving him power play time. I don't know, you know, how many teams bring him in their top six. He's a good checker. Uh, he's a good penalty killer. I like the speed. Um, you know, you hope that he scores more next year. I mean, he's, he felt like he should have double the amount of goals. Um, so maybe he does. I, I, I don't think he trade him because, you know, he makes 1.65, just, just a little bit under. He's got one year left. Like, what are you getting for him? You know, like, unless you need the cap space, I don't know why you would do that. Like, you're probably going to get a third-round pick or something for him. Um, just not worth it. So, um, yeah, like, if, if it was, like, the right deal, like, I don't know. I don't know what Troy Terry makes. He used to make around that. If, if he was, if he wanted it out and Micaiah wanted out, maybe you find something like that that makes sense. But I don't think you just trade him for a pick. Um, he's got I one can't see left. a trade that makes sense with Mikhaev. You kind of need... His skill set, especially if there's Hyman left, like someone who can kill penalties and get in the four check a bit. Um, so I, I think you, you see what he does this year and, and go from there. I don't know. It's it's I, I think the the situation was handled correctly, mm-hmm. um, but uh, I don't know. What's let's it's, let's get into your. I want to get your line predictions, not what you think, but just what are your predictions for opening night? Like what I expect them to do. Yeah. Um, I need to pull up there. So I feel like there's, there's so many moving parts in this roster. I feel right now. So I'm guessing, um, I'm going to guess Matthews is is playing. He is playing, despite what uh, despite what everyone thinks. I forgot he had he's, surgery actually, but yeah, I think he's 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 good to go. He's a lock. Yeah, he's definitely a lock. I'm just pulling up uh, Tavares here. Tavares will be in the lineup. Yes. Okay, so I'm actually going to keep Marner and Matthews together. Yeah. I think they will um, too. Yeah, I'm gonna. This is opening night, right? Not an elimination game. No, it's it's opening night. <laughs> so I'm gonna go with Bunting on that top line. Yeah. Uh, with Matthews and Marner. So would I. Second second line's gonna be Kasha, Tavares, and Nylander. Okay. Third line, so that's gonna be my heavy defensive zone start line. That one is actually going to be. That one's going to be Camp in the middle, mm-hmm. Engvall, Mikhaev. Okay. And then Kerfoot at center on the fourth line with Richie and Spezza. I think that's a pretty I think that's the best fourth line they've probably had in a while. Okay. So let's, I'll, I'll let me go forwards and I'll, I'll get your defenseman after. Mm-hmm. I got to go pretty similar. Um, again, this is guessing what they'll do, not necessarily what I would do. But I think they're going to keep Matthews Marner. I'll put Bunting there as well. Um, I think they're going to keep Tavares Nylander. I'm going to put Richie there. I just think that's how it's going to start. Oh, um, sorry. You know what? My my lines were actually what I would do. Okay. Um, you you do your lines, then I'll tell you what I think I'll what I, I'll tell you what I uh, think they'll do. Okay. So I'm going Richie Tavares Nylander. Um, and then who you put on the third, who you put on the fourth is is kind of a guessing game. I got to keep Kerfoot at center. Um, just because I don't know who the fourth line center would be, I don't like Spetsa at center. I don't. He he primarily plays the wing, um, and I'm gonna guess that Brooks isn't on the lineup. So um, I, I'll go. I'll go. Let's do the Kerfoot line first. So I'll go. I guess Kerfoot, Spetsa, and I'll go Makayev there, which is a bit weird. Or I'll go Engvall there. So Engvall, Spetsa. And Kerfoot, and then I'll go Makayev, Camp, and I'll put Kasha there. I don't know if that's the best fit. I don't even know if Kasha's going to be in the lineup, um, but I could definitely see a, a Makayev, Engball, Camp line as well, depending on mm-hmm. depending on really who's healthy. Oh, I forgot Simmons. Simmons has to be somewhere. 
Yeah, that that's literally the only change I would make in terms of what I would do versus what I think they'll do. Yeah, so um, Simmons instead of Engvall for me. I'll I'll guess Engvall's out because Keith seems to to hate Engvall <laughs> for some route. I don't know why he always comes I, out. I I think he's just tough on him. I don't think he actually hates him or anything, but I think he's definitely tough on him and uh, doesn't like the fact he doesn't isn't good at faceoffs. But yeah, so I'll actually opening night. What I think they'll do is going to be bunting Matthews Marner. I'll say Richie as well on that second line with Tavares and Nylander. Mm-hmm. Um, Mikhaev, Kampf. Uh, that's a tough one, actually. Simmons Tuesday. there. Simmons, maybe. I think Simmons is... Oh, yeah, sorry. Simmons with Kampf and, and Mikhaev, yeah. And then probably like Kerfoot, Spezza, and whoever's left. Um, Kasha. Yeah, it's gonna be, it's it's kind of weird. I don't know if Kasha's going to be... Uh... I don't see he's going to be on fourth line. You know what? I'm going to switch Bunting and Kasha. I think that's what they'll do. They'll put okay. Bunting on the fourth line with Spezza and Kerfoot, and they'll have Kasha with the big boys. Oh, interesting. Pretty good lines, though, like all in all. If they I think the D are, defense is pretty set, right? Mazen Hall, Riley Brody, Dermot Sandine, unless they're making the big Riley trade, which neither of us expect. Um, yeah, I, I really don't get the point of Simmons now, to be honest. I just don't think he's one of their top... 13 forwards to be honest i think it's like their 15th best forward um Mm -hmm. i'm a little bit surprised with like even a joey anderson like that's the one thing i'm wondering like joey anderson adam brooks they're not they're not eligible like they have to go through waivers i I feel like they're gonna get claimed um and then i guess we'll see i i think lilligren will be up uh throughout the year but he is waivers exempt and uh they probably don't have the cap room to to carry seven unless they're gonna make some trades here so Preseason's in 10 days. I think we're going to be excited for that. The prospect tournament's coming up. It's probably already started by the time we get this podcast out. So I'm, 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 I'm getting ready. Who, what's your prediction for the prospect tournament? I, I want to get some uh, some names out of you. Not just Robertson. Who, who's going to start? Not just Robertson. Who's going to start? Yeah. Um, or who am I excited for? I'll say who's going to start. You know, Alex Steves has been looking like a player that's been making a lot of noise. Um, I don't even know if he'll be able to play in that prospects tournament yeah um, yeah he can okay uh but mikhail abramov another player i think he's gonna have a pretty good season with the marlies this year loved okay. him at the world juniors especially the tail end i know that you were a fan of him too um i'm ready to see a i'm ready to see sda kind of I, I really liked his season last year with the marlies he didn't play very much but he was able to put up some good points obviously he played with robertson a little bit so that might have boosted him up, but I'm ready to see him take another step this year because uh, I think he's a really likable player, and um, yeah, I think he's just such a creative player. And uh, you know, I'm excited to see him and Abramov with the Marlies this year. Who is your uh, big prospect? Because I know both of us actually have partaked in um, a prospect ranking this summer, so so we're kind of we're fresh with the prospects right now. Yeah, I'm going to go with Abramov. I just like watching Abramov. He's so fun. Uh, he's got a shot. He's a good passer. He's skilled. Um, so I'll go with him. We're, we're not including Robertson here. Steve's I'm interested to see as well because he's new. Uh, but, yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I, I really um, – it'll be great to be watching hockey again, obviously. But I want to uh, – I think we have to do a prediction here because I don't think we're going to be recording by the time the first preseason game's going in 10 days. So – Let's get your, your thoughts, Nick. On the 25th, the Leafs play the Haps. Two o'clock game, which is a bit odd. I, I need a prediction from you. Is this gonna? This is a must win. Are they going to get the win? Yes. Okay. Who starts for you? Who starts? Oh, you got to give it to Campbell. Really? You're going gonna to bench the, the new guy? Depends. I don't know. You never know what the lineup's going to be. It's, it could be... A bunch of it could be a full AHL lineup, it could be the full NHL, it could be a half and half. Uh, okay, let's let's do one more question. Um, really early, really early predictions on the Atlantic Division. I'm pulling up the teams now. I'm so I'm still gonna go Tampa one. I know they lost Tampa it, one. Wow. Okay. I know I they like lost. I know they lost Coleman. Yanni Gord's really good. Coleman's good. Goudreau's okay. Um, but I just think that power play is just unbelievable. They have a great goalie. I don't think they're that like I don't think they're the clear one that they used to be. But I'm still gonna go them one, 
And then it's so there's so many like even teams I find, but I'll go Tampa one. We'll go one. We'll go team by team here. Okay, what are we putting last? I think I'm gonna go Buffalo last, especially with <laughs> it's Buffalo hundred percent last. Yeah, especially with Eichel not probably playing. <laughs> we don't know what's going on there. Um, but Detroit's got to be second last, no? Detroit, yeah. yeah, Detroit's second last. Ottawa's third last. Um, and then it's kind of a, a mess from there. So yeah, let's go back to the top here. So so Lightning first, second. I'm gonna go with the Leafs. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go Leafs second. I think they're the second best team, and I think the goaltending is gonna hold up because they have both goalies. I I think it's so close between two to four. Me too. Yeah. So I guess I'll go Leafs. I gotta go. Uh, I want to go. I'm gonna go Florida too. Oh, like you're they, a bad guy. Yeah, I can't be the homer. If I go Leafs too, they're not gonna do it. So I think Florida <laughs> added Sam Reinhart. I think is a really good good add. Uh, I don't think they lost all that much, as far as I could tell. Um, and and they just look so good in that playoff series against against Tampa. They got Spencer Knight. We'll see what he does. Bobrovsky's kind of not as good anymore, but uh, maybe he bounces back. Who knows? Um, you know, I'm hoping Ekblad's back uh, sooner than later. And, of course, they got Mason Marchment, Joe Thornton. So they got some ex-Leafs. They're ready to go. Um, mm-hmm. I, I could see them missing the playoffs. I could see them being decent. But I got to go with the hipster pick and pick Florida, too. Yeah, least. they are the hipster pick. Like, Reinhard, Bennett, uh, Marchment, Verhage. They're completely the hipster pick. I'm gonna go for second. Sorry, second I went Leafs. Third, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the Bruins there. Yeah. Um, it just feels like every year we feel like they're going to drop off, um, in terms of Bergeron and Marchand, like they're getting up in age, and then they just make great off-season moves, um, and then you're just like, okay, they're gonna be good again. Pasternak, obviously, 25 years old, you know, in his prime right now. Taylor Hall, they extended, um. I mean, obviously, he's going to be great for them. They still have Craig Smith on their team. You know, their defense obviously took a hit a few years ago, but I really like Matt Grizzlick. Uh, Charlie McAvoy, obviously, their number one defenseman. And I'm going to go with them number three. They just always seem to find a way. Um, and then I'll go four with Florida. I still think they're a great team. I also agree two to four is going to be uh, a big battle. Um, but I don't know. I just I think with, I think with the Leafs and Boston... I think they just are a lot more of a complete team than Florida, whereas Florida has a lot of kind of moving parts that they just don't have that history of being really good. Um, so maybe I'm uh, I'm conforming to bias here, but I'll go Florida four. Yeah, I gotta go. So I went to Florida. Those are real hipster pick. I don't know if I really believe that. Three, I'm going Montreal. I think. Isperi Kakiniemi is going to have a huge year this year. I think he's going to break out as a as a first line. Oh wait a second, he's on, he's on Carolina now. He's on Carolina. He's on now. Carolina. Oh yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was gonna say I was like I don't know which. Well, you couldn't I don't know have missed what that. Year, I don't know what year this is right now. You couldn't have missed that uh, that news story. That was that was quite the uh, spectacle. But I get to go Montreal five. Um, I. I, I, the one thing I'll say is like Hoffman and Caulfield, their power play is going to be so much better. Um, so like I could see them surprising, but you know they're not going to be the same team at five on five with with Dano leaving. Um, they don't have a ton of depth at center at this point. Um, so I'll, I'll bet against them. I guess I'll, I'll put them five, uh, despite the the finals appearance. So who is um, your three? Who is your two and three? A uh, three and four. Sorry. Let's go three Leafs for Boston. Boston's got. Taylor Hall and Nick Foligno, so they got the best of both worlds. But uh, they they lost Krejci. They don't really don't have much depth at center. It seems. I do think their power play really elevates them, and it's always good. I like Olmark. Um, so I could see them being number two or number one even. Um, you know, they the, Bergeron's got to take a step back eventually. That guy's he's got to just give someone else a chance, like for once. Yeah. So he's, he's just he just I don't know. And same with Marshawn, like. They just always find a way to get things done. Yeah. Um, and we're the ones who suffer for it. So, um, I don't know. I think it's going to be a great year, though. Like, that Atlantic division, especially after, you know, seeing the North division last year, like, the regular season kind of dragged on. 
it's going to be interesting this year with an 82 game season. Like after watching last year's season, 82 games is going to feel like forever. Um, but I think it's going to be close from one to four. And, and, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if even like a Montreal team, like kind of gets their peaks, their heads in uh, from time to time throughout the season. So um, I think it's going to be exciting regular season hockey, but ultimately we are all waiting for the playoffs, which apparently is quite important these days. Yeah, I think uh, with the with the five teams, you know, and really four typically make it, um, especially with a, a pretty strong metro. Uh, it's going to be tough to make the playoffs this year. Um, there's not a ton of of margin for error, so um, I, I do think that the West is is so much weaker than the East uh, at this point, and uh, I do think that some good teams are going to miss the playoffs in the East. So I I think that'll make the season interesting, but. Um, yeah, I'm hoping they're number two, number number one would be ideal, obviously. Um, but but Nick, it's been great to record again. And are you going to be ready for a, a post game after preseason game one? I will be ready. But talking of post, are you ready for close? To, it's coming your Jays hour because uh, we're, we're almost it? getting we're almost getting ready for the postseason. Oh yeah, as soon as they came back to Toronto, um, I jumped on the bandwagon. I was driving the bandwagon because uh, I didn't really watch them too much when they were when they were in the states, maybe mm-hmm. a game or, or so. But since they came to Toronto, they've uh, I've been watching you know ninety nine percent of the games. Went to a game, uh, it was awesome, and uh, yeah, I'm back. They're an exciting team. How was the game? How were you at the seventh inning stretch? Oh, I was uh, the the let's lead of the charge. Yeah. yeah, the. The Let's Go Blue Jays. Yeah, I was leading the charge. I was I was in the outfield. I uh, I liked it a little bit better. You get a little bit more room. Okay. Uh, but it was my first yeah my first uh, first game that I've been to in like a, a few years, obviously. So, have you been to one yet? Yeah, I went to one um, this year. I just wanted to get back to a game. I felt like it had been forever. But yeah, it's been. I kind of gave up on them a couple of months ago. I felt like they were so far out of it, and then this run they've been on has been incredible. I mean, they swept the A's, they swept the Yankees in four games. Um, it's been so fun to watch them. Um, Robbie Ray has, has been outstanding. He had 13 K's uh, earlier today. Um, and just the, that lineup's deadly. Springer, Semyon, Guerrero, Bichette, and then Teoscar. And even Kirk. Kirk's been great, too. So Yeah, I'm a big Alejandro Kirk guy. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I think their lineup is just absolutely crazy when they have Teoscar going when they have Guriel going um like the bottom half of their lineup this week is against the race has been crazy good yeah so uh yeah I'm back so I I, I left at the end of the Gustavo Chassin era and I'm back so we're gonna have to incorporate some Jays hour all right, so we're either going to have an Everything Leaves podcast at the end of the month once the preseason starts going, or we're going to have Everything Jays. So we'll, we'll yeah. see how it goes. Everything Gustavo. <laughs> so it's going to be. All right, thanks everyone for listening, and we will see you after game one. Bye.